1: Good morning and welcome to another edition of Better Living,
0: a show that focuses on people and organizations making a big difference here in North Texas. I'm your host, Chris Arnold of 105.3 The Fan, and our first guest is the president of the Dallas Black Chamber, Mr. Harrison. Blair, how you doing, Harrison? Oh, man, Chris Arnold,
2: I'm honored to be on Better Living with you. Uh, it's a pleasure and a privilege, sir. We're doing well.
0: Well, you know, I'm so glad to have you on as well. We, we've been friends for such a long, long time. I had to have you on because, of course, this is Black History Month. Now, as we ease into Black History Month, oh, a couple of days ago, it was dicey around here in North Texas with all the ice. See, people think it's snow from around the other parts of the country. They're not here. They don't know this is two and three inches worth of ice. I just want to know right off the bat how you survived it and were there any business activities you had to adjust
2: Oh, man. Uh, absolutely. One, you know, the, just the regular operations of the chamber. There's always someone stopping by the office who wants to meet with us. So that jammed up a lot of uh, member meetings and, and and partnership meetings that we would normally have just to have a winter ice storm come through. And Chris, you hit it on the head. It's it's the ice. Yes. Yeah. You know, maybe the places it, it snows and it's nice and light and fluffy and then maybe it'll freeze over. But here it's not just sticking snow. It becomes a sheet of ice and if you want to slip real good and tear up your tailbone you walk out on that
0: <laughs> oh i tell you it, it was it was dicey for a lot of people in fact i was watching all the different tv reports and all the different meteorologists kept saying it's going that noise you hear that's thunder and guess what it is thunder sleep going on all i was like thunder sleep lord sleet. have mercy <laughs> <laughs>
2: Global warming is throwing new new uh, combinations at us. <laughs> exactly.
0: Well, at least this weekend has been nice, and we should have some really decent weather this week. But, you know, this is still February, and we always tell everybody out there, you know if you're in North Texas because of that jet stream, the weather could be dicey all the way to April.
2: Man, and, and this year you, you might get all four seasons in, in these first
0: four Months, just Isn't, that cool Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? I mean, you, you'll get the 70s, you'll get down into the teens, you'll get some ice. We might even get some fluffy snow for Lucky. <laughs> but at the same time, we still have to do business. And again, I, I'm glad you're on because this is Black History Month, the month of February. And I know there's a lot of different activities that are going on. And so I just wanted to have you go through your Rolodex or go through your databases they put in the 21st Century, uh, 21st Century's <laughs> databases. Uh, tell us about some of the activities going on with the chamber.
2: So, Chris, as you know, in this busy month, not only are we speaking at a number of spaces uh, with some of our corporate partners where we just go in and do talk about the importance of black history and we might focus on a specific Dallas uh you know topic that's really important but we also have a bevy of events that we'll be rolling out, e- either with partners or events that we'll be doing that the chamber just thinks are really, really important. Uh, the first event that I know we're going to be engaged in, which will be February 23rd, is uh, we're in a partnership event where we're going to uh, host a happy hour with Deep Ellum. Um, and they have, they're have celebrating right. their 150th year. And people may say, well, why is that you know consistent with Black History Month? Well, Deep Ellum is really... Uh, a, a time, uh, from a time past. It, it is a community that was named most affectionately really by Dallas's Black residents. And it's historically started as a Black uh strewstring town that was right by uh, two railroad junctions that met in 1870s. So it is the, uh, historically a Black town. And Chris, I also have a book that my grandfather, Bill Blair, wrote. And this book is called The Dallas I Know. Um, and he goes through all these different spaces uh-huh. in Dallas where Black Dallas existed. He even says at the top of the book, this is the most comprehensive guide you'll ever see or picture book you'll see of Black Dallas. And Deep Ellum is definitely covered in here. Uh, places that you may have heard of um, that you go to and then places you may not have heard of, like the Gypsy Tea Room, which is kind of a lesser-known space. That's and right. the Harlem
0: Theater.
2: So we'll be celebrating with Deep Ellum because they have such a rich, uh, deep black history here in the city of Dallas. And then on the 22nd— Now, before
0: you we, move on, let's, let's let's talk about Deep Ellum for just a second because yeah, for those yeah, who okay. don't know, there is a rich black music history there to the blues. There, there's some legendary from, performers from back in the 20th century that helped put Dallas music on the map right there in the heart of Deep Ellum.
2: Man. So and and we we talking about folks that you would see and encounter on the streets of Deep Ellum, yes. singing tunes um, and famous folks like T Bone Walker. There you uh, go, who sang it, uh, and put people through school at Prairie View. Um, there's a famous picture of him in this book, actually on a nine hole golf course that was a black only golf course that uh, is now where um, uh, Love Field Airport is, but. Lots of rich history uh, from artists like T Bone, um, uh, Lemon, mm-hmm. um, Blind Lemon, yep. uh, Jefferson, and a couple of other folks who really, really uh, made Deep Elm what we know it as today. As this is what's music. so
0: wild. You know, I've I've actually been to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland. Did a radio show out of there. Believe it or not, there is a radio station in there, and I was up there for the NBA All Star Weekend back in the day, and I actually did my show from there. And I'm walking through that Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And they had stuff about the blues coming out of Deep Ellum. That's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, let alone <laughs> blues and jazz and the whole nine yards. So when people gather in Deep Ellum, they go, oh, this is this is a cool little night spot over here. Oh, this is a, a great little walk-in vineyard. Oh, That's a good barbecue joint. There's some history that you may not be aware of, and it's part of Black History and Black Man. History Month.
2: Man, uh, Alex Moore, yeah. Buddy T- uh, Melba Moore, Rod uh, Calhoun, Doug Fiddle, Cedar Walton, Buster Smith. I mean, I can go down this list because these were folks that my grandfather knew. Yep. They um, grew up being very familiar with on that street. So I'm just, you know, very, very excited about uh, that portion of what we're
0: doing. Now, before and, you go to another thing, I gotta, I gotta say this because you, you know, you, 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 you have so many things you want to talk about. And we have plenty of time here, but we got to okay, give a cool. uh, shout out to the late great Bill Blair, your grandfather, who was a <laughs> Negro league baseball player played back in the days with Satchel page and back, back when Jackie Robinson, uh, first went to the major leagues. And before he passed away, I had the pleasure of spending a lot of lunch time with him <laughs> down, down off, you know, his favorite cafeteria. Yeah. Uh, Man. Over there at Luby's. <laughs> no, is it, was, uh, it was Luby's? I'm trying to remember which yeah, one it was. it was. It was Luby's. I was yeah, was 67. Luby's. I was 67. <laughs> yeah. Was the, that was his office and I've had him on my radio shows back in the day talking about, you know, the Negro Leagues but not not only that but Dallas and, and Black History in Dallas and so he is a legend and there's a a park named after him as well. Can you talk a little bit about your your grandfather because he also started one of the Martin Luther King Jr. parades for Martin Luther King oh, weekend. Man.
2: And you know, Chris, I just learned some information about him from his book where he talks about his time at Booker T. Washington, where mm-hmm. he ran the very first touchdown against the uh, the second black school to be created in Dallas for high school students. And that was uh, Lincoln High School, which was Negro school number two. But he ran the very first touchdown against them. Look uh, And that's one of his records. He was also on three different state championship teams that came out of Booker T. Washington. And it's, you know, it's hard to think of it then, but in the early 1930s and 40s, the 19 uh, and, and even some of the 20s, um, Booker T. Washington was the only colored school for high school students in the city. So naturally. It was segregated. And anytime they played, not only were they the best uh, in their own segregated league here, but they were the best across the state and the city. So they, they uh, crazy championship teams. Mm-hmm. He even talks about in this book how he made friends with uh, some of the, the Negro League baseball players who ended up going major. Um, uh, like, the you know, the gentleman that went to the Cubs uh, and a couple of other players that he was really, really well known. Ernie Banks,
0: uh, who's also from Dallas.
2: Brother Ernie Banks, who's also from Dallas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it also talks about A.W. Bashir, who really helped kick off major sports here in Dallas in a major way and put Dallas on the map with all his championship wins. Uh, and, you know, they called him one of Bashir's boys because uh, Bill got to play with him. So just a lot of great information and history about him just before he gets to what he does as an activist and as a community leader, where Fantastic. he starts a, a newspaper primarily to cover Negro League baseball across the country because there weren't many outlets that did that. But it quickly became a community paper that you could find in any church uh, you can find it in any Black-owned restaurant. And then, you know, uh, when my dad really got to the paper in the uh, in the late uh, 80s and 90s, um, you know, people like Rufus Shaw, who yes. had people glued to the paper every week, mm-hmm. who wanted to know what the conscious Black thought coming out of Dallas was all about. Um, you know, th- that's really how the paper got where it was. But you also touched on this, Chris, and that's that my grandfather had the pleasure and distinction of starting the very first MLK parade here in Dallas mm-hmm. in 1986, which started with... Two trucks, a man and a bullhorn. And now is one of the premier king celebrations, not just in Dallas, but across the nation. And you know, the pleasure of watching my dad and my grandfather grow their parade. Um, really comes from us cutting up sandwiches and making sure each band student had a sandwich or each church member Mm -hmm. um, had a sandwich or each mason had something from participating in the parade. And the reason the parade really grew to be so large is because a lot of these folks in these community organizations couldn't afford insurance to march in a parade. But they they wanted to be seen, too, and they wanted to celebrate leaders like Dr. King. Um, They didn't always have the ability to do so because it's not necessarily always cost effective. Uh, but my dad, and my grandfather really stipulated that you didn't have to always pay the insurance. And that may not be the best business practice. Especially right. In, but in you wanted early, people you know, to be 2020s. a part of it.
0: Yeah. You wanted but, to allow people to be a part of the celebration.
2: And, and, and because they did that, people would come to see their grandmother, their grandfather, yeah. their uncles, their, their nieces and nephews, their kids. And so everybody's there at this big city family affair. And it's not only an affair just for Black people who are here in the city who want to celebrate, but civil rights is such a large banner because of how it's informed so many other movements that people from across the city want to come and celebrate yes. leaders like Dr. King and the, the legacy of civil rights. And Bill Blair understood that. And so, you know, my dad's corollary, Jordan Blair's corollary to that is king day is a day on not a day off we exactly. gotta go celebrate it takes work to do that it so takes
0: work to part of that legacy. let me tell i'm tell you i'm honored to be a part of those parades i i i was able to be in a over 20 of them and in fact grand uh, yeah grand marshal with uh Skip murphy company i want to say it was in 2011 or 2012 but we had an opportunity to do that as well and uh From, like, the 80s all the way through the the 2000s, the the parade has been fantastic, whether the weather was great, like, you know, sunny skies like this weekend, or whether it was cold and icy, the parade still came through. And everybody did their best. And, and, and like I said, all the floats and all the bands and all the different people participating, and it would always end up at Fair Park. Again, that was just part of Bill Blair's legacy. But we mentioned Booker T. Washington High School, which is now the arts Magnet. And it is also the home of the Grammy Awards for our girl Erica Badu and Nora Jones. So the legacy is there oh, all over Dallas.
2: Oh man, and and, and Chris to that to that point, um, that that's why it's such a, a blessing to be here um, at this uh, Dallas Black Chamber of Commerce. Mm-hmm. It itself is such a historic uh, institution as the first Black Chamber of its kind in the nation. Um, And uh, something that uh, I took as an impetus to build an event for the chamber for my family uh, is an event called Ignite the Lights. Ignite the Lights is not a parade, uh, which is kind of a go-to for my family, but Ignite the Lights is an opportunity for us to talk about our legacy as a chamber in the civil rights movement, and not only as active participants, but to also reframe that civil rights wasn't about just treating people well and treating them with dignity. It was also heavily involved in the economics of uh, our society. And that's where the chamber sees our work and our legacy being continued and us moving that legacy forward. Um, And for us, Ignite the Lights is a celebration where we bring these little water lanterns and people can draw messages of love with a marker with their family on these lanterns. Uh, Families usually bring their kids out and they take time to think about somebody in their community who has really impacted them. Mm -hmm. And they might dedicate a lantern to them. The culmination of this event is that we have usually uh, an MLK speaker who has done the speech for Mrs. King. Um, who said he sounds mostly like my? He sounds the most like my Martin, which means we just got a Pimp's mixture. Understood. <laughs> this, this, this King speaker comes out um, and he blows us away. Um, and then after he's done talking and sharing some excerpts from Dr. King, we have people from the audience come up and tell us who they dedicated their lantern to and why, because we believe that it should be a community celebration. And this is in that ethos of my dad's, you know, saying that you know it's a day on, not a day off, to celebrate our history and to celebrate those things. And to me, it's so important now that we do this kind of work because it's practically illegal to celebrate or talk about Black history. So a lot of people don't have access to some of these historical figures Mm -hmm. and what they've really done. And it leaves so many gaps in how we got to where we are today as a society. Um, And I think it's so important that we take this moment during this month to really share with family members, to share with our sons and daughters, our nieces and nephews, and even our parents, um, who's important to us, the history that's really impacting us, uh, and any information really about Black history and its impact on this economy um, and, and what it means moving forward. Because without it, we're doomed to repeat the past if we don't know.
0: Exactly. So some of the other events that are going on that the uh, chamber is a part of, we're talking again with Harrison Blair. He's the president of the Dallas Black Chamber.
2: So one of the other events, Chris, uh, that we have that's a monthly event is our power breakfast. Our Power Breakfast is an early morning networker that starts at 7 a.m. and goes to 9 a.m. And we do that because there are a lot of people who really want to get out and do this networking thing. They don't have time in the afternoon or the evening or lunch, but they've got some extra morning time in their early birds. There you go. So we want to give these people an opportunity to come out and network. But it's not only for you to come and get coffee and have some conversations. We want you to get up on the stage and do a 30-second introduction because it's like a mini Toastmasters. Mm -hmm. How can you sell your business or yourself if you don't have your 30-second pitch together. And people are surprised that that 30 seconds can be that impactful because most times people might take three to five minutes if you tell them they have a few seconds to just share about themselves. Um, so we help them shape those uh, those answers. And then after the program, coffee and breakfast is usually on us. And we typically do this at Soiree Coffee Bar, which is uh, just across the way from Trinity Groves. It's one of the best coffee spots uh, in Dallas. Okay. No not matter who you are, where you're from. If you haven't been there, do yourself a favor, go get you a cool coffee or maybe a nice drink, and then come meet somebody new.
0: You know, I think people underrate networking. I think there's a lot of people who have ambitions to start a small business or grow something that they're trying to get done, and they say, I got to network, or I'm not sure if I should network. Can you explain how important it is for people to reach out to others who may be able to help them in some other way, and you can help them as well. I mean, people just underestimate the term networking and and how the role of the Dallas Black Chamber plays in some of these networking events.
2: Oh, man, um, Chris, it, one of the most important factors in business, if you want to be successful, is who you know, mm-hmm. if you know the right Uh, If you know the right procurement person, you may get access to that contract doesn't mean they're going to give it to you, but you if you even know to apply that's already a a token in the game. Um, Not to mention uh, the relationships with the people who can actually bid the workout that you that you need to do, or the experts and professionals who can get any kind of contract or vendor relationship that you might need. this entire business industry this entire economy is based on relationships and a network of trust and business really moves at the speed of trust but the only way you can build trust is you got to meet folks you know this is not a zoom call this is not a phone call right um this is not an email this is a, a shaking hands in person exactly. Yeah, because before you get that big contract, um, you're usually out at these events, you know, meeting folks, developing business relationships and opportunities. And then, you know, the, the contract may actually come up at, over lunch. And then then you have a relationship after you've built that, uh, you know, that that networking time in to actually get to meet folks um, and really cultivate those relationships. It makes the world go round. And so you know, it's, that's a huge part of our chamber.
0: It, it really is. And what a lot of people may not understand is, the person that you meet may not do a business deal with you personally, but guess what? There's somebody that they know that they say, you know what? Harrison Blair's got something going on. I think you two ought to meet. And that's how networking happens. It's like someone refers to somebody. else. like you said, it's who's, who's who. And it's not just it's who you are. It's, it's who you know. It's, it's not just what you do. There's a lot of people who what you do. It's about who you know, and then they may even refer you.
2: So and and, and those kind of networks and relationships are how people make some of their biggest deals, Mm -hmm. because uh, people doing a a big business deal with you or giving you a lot of access to their capital and relationships is all about trust. And if you build that trust, then people are really going to write those checks to you. They'll make those opportunities available to you. Uh, But you have to meet people first. You can't build any kind of trust until you at least meet folks.
0: Exactly. You just can't say, uh, "Let me send out an email," or "Let me." You know, there's something to be said for social networking on social media, but that may be just the first step. Can you talk about a little bit of because you guys have such an outstanding website, and and give the web uh, website address too, because it it is an absolute must if you're starting business here in Dallas, whether you're coming in from somewhere else or if you're grown you you've grown up here and you're saying I, I need to establish myself. Uh, could you talk about how the social media or online trafficking, as far as uh, networking is concerned, can help aid you as well? Even though that's just a small part, it's not the only part.
2: Oh, man, you really have to, you got to put yourself out there, especially in this new e-commerce uh, of yep. environment that we find ourselves in. Um, you know, Chris, one of the big stats for us is that just in the South Dallas Fair Park community uh, in 2019, um, there were about 68 percent of the businesses here didn't have access to internet, meaning that many of them didn't even have a website. And you can just imagine how much traffic you're missing if you're only focused on foot traffic that's coming your way. Mm-hmm. Or if you're hoping that everybody who's out on the roads is going to pass by your billboard, well, what happened in 2020 when you couldn't leave home or you couldn't get out? The super highway of opportunity and connectivity was already the internet, but that just doubled down because now operations had to change yep. the way people. Business had to change. Virtually everything we do is now digital. You can even own digital land. I don't know if you should do it.
4: but
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know what you mean. It might be a Bitcoin. You never know. (laughs) <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> so, uh, you know, just the 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 way we communicate across spectrums and in, in, in life is now very digital. And if you're not on that digital highway and learning what those relationships are like and where you connect in and learning this new market, um, then you can quickly get left behind. Yeah. I know it's it's cool and kind of counterculture to say, I, I don't have a Facebook or I don't have an Instagram or TikTok. But those are things that if you're a business, you should really consider. Most of uh, the messages we get for service and new membership actually come from Facebook or LinkedIn or Instagram. Mm-hmm. I would never think, you know, maybe 10 years ago that somebody would send a professional business deal or a resume or any kind of information through a social media platform. But that is a big way to connect. You know, LinkedIn will send you 20 different people trying to hire you or recruit you if, uh, if that's, you know, if you, if you got to the, the signal on and imagine how hard it may be to to think you can walk into a company and apply for a job. So everything that you might do in a major in a major way that will impact your life, especially financially, is probably gonna be online. You don't even have to reach in your wallet to pay for things anymore. Exactly. Way so you want to be a part of that that digital apparatus uh, in that space, so that you can also put your business out there, and not only to market yourself but also to tell your story, because I think people miss an opportunity. There are some people whose hands I'll never shake. But they will comment on my video and tell me, "Hey, you really told me about the chamber services. You really explained them. The website goes into it, but you really broke down what you're going to do for my business." And just to make sure, I answer this also, Chris. The website for the Dallas Black Chamber of Commerce is uh, dbcc.org, or you can type the long hand, which is DallasBlackChamber.org.
0: Yeah, you can Google it up, just Dallas Black Chamber, and you'll dot f- org, and you'll find out all the information. And again. It's, 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 it's an easy site to just, you know, lose yourself and, and learn things. And I, I, so it's so well organized. I've given you a, a lot of props for that because it's, it's almost like your calling card. Nowadays, you got to have that footprint online. It's kind of like, I, I I say, well, people are online buying stuff on Amazon. So they're comfortable, you know, sitting there for half hour, quote unquote shopping. Well, the Dallas black chambers website is a way you can expand your business horizons and see your opportunities and what may be a way for you to connect with, you know, major corporations, or let alone the people you need for volunteers or people you need to work in your industry. And that being said, can you talk about in today's gig economy how the small businesses are fitting in with some of these major corporations? Because I know you're on top of all of these things.
2: Well, let me start by saying social media uh, and any kind of influencer. I know influencer sounds like a soft kind of opportunity. Uh, people oftentimes don't understand what an influencer is right. or, or what they do. But 90% of large corporations use influencers to get their messages out. Mm-hmm. If you've been following some of these comedians like uh, you know Tony Baker or oh, yeah. uh, on stage, you might see them in a, a Time Warner cable commercial. Sure. Because they're communicating directly with folks. So that's just one place um, where, you know, people are looking to see um, how small vendors and businesses are really making a push. And we've added an influencer to our board because it's so so effective for how we can market. And it's also effective for how we also understand this new digital space. Uh, But uh, uh, large corporations are always looking for vendors to work with. And they're always specifically looking to meet their MWB egos, which are goals that help them get in uh, companies that are considered minority uh, by ownership. Mm -hmm. Um, And and from there, uh, just one example, uh, Parkland uh, is one of our major partners here um, at the Dallas Black Chamber of Commerce. And one of the perks that is offered as be, you know as you becoming a new member and joining the chamber is there is a portal where uh, when you join it takes you directly to parkland and it asks you a number of questions about what your interests are as a member they want to know um, what you do and they want to know if they can get you into their system as a certified mwbe vendor meaning that when they start looking at contracts that they're going to bid out they're just going to send them out. you have to go get the contract But they make a lot of uh, a lot of these opportunities available um, just for new people who are coming into the chamber Mm -hmm. Um, and the same is true for folks who may be looking for a job we do a a job seeker spotlight corporations post jobs all day right now the uh, pga um, Professional Golf Association of North America is stationed um, in Frisco. That's right. And they just, out. yeah, they, they got a list of jobs that they're trying to fill. Some are short term, some are long term, some are salaried and benefited. Some are part time, but they're always looking for qualified individuals. And they start with their partners um, like the Dallas Black Chamber of Commerce. So it's a, it is a super high way to be connected, um, not only to other members, Members, but some of those other members are corporations like AT&T, Texas Instruments, Parkland. Um, you know, name any major system that is a Fortune 100 or 500 here. We are either connected with them or we are in a network that they also belong to.
0: What it is, is it puts everybody in a position of getting your foot in the door. And then guess what? Those opportunities could be right in your right in your backyard. And you didn't even know it. Like you mentioned the PGA. A lot of people don't even think, well, wait a minute. I didn't know they were in Frisco. Well, now you know. If you go to the Dallas Black Chamber website, you might find out a few things. Again, I think it's 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 very good for anybody who's, quote, unquote, in the gig economy, either wants to do more and not be in the gig economy, or even if you say, okay, this is where I want to stay, but I want to you know uh, maximize my different things that I do, my circle of influences or whatever it is you do. To uh, get your small business started, I, I think you just got to use everything that's available to you. And being online is one of those, those, those things, those platforms, one of those things that can be an asset for you.
2: Man, and, and we would love to give more information. Um, and if you go to the website and there's something that you can't find and you'd like to know more, um, they can also email any, any uh, person who's interested can also email uh, me at H Blair at dbcc.org. Um and, and if I'm taking too long to get back to you, then hit our info box at info at dot And we love to help you. It'd be our pleasure. That's why we get out of bed.
0: I was going to say something and then I'm just going to pull the curtain back everywhere I'm at. It seems like you're there, too. All these different speaking engagements that I do or fundraising events or, you know, events that are, uh, you know, socially relevant. You're there. And I'm like, when does Harrison Blair sleep? And I know you've got a staff and it's gotten larger and larger and it's very successful. But you are everywhere. Do you have Jerry Jones helicopter take you places? Man, I wish.
2: And look, and Jerry, if you're listening to this, we've already fueled it up and put it back on the helipad. We we got it back in time. <laughs> um, Chris, I wish, uh, but you know, a big focus of mine as the CEO is to get out and meet folks, right? And is to talk about the future. Uh, I'm looking at least five to eight years out to see what we might do, who we might connect with, um, and if the you know, if the terrain changes on the ground then I'm communicating that to my board leadership to make sure we're all on the same page, but they pay me to go out and figure out, you know, what are the best answers not to walk in with them. So mm-hmm. that means I got to be in the room where Chris Arnold is so that we can be connected to the right people. Cause we got to have our network too. So that's, that's really a big focus. Um, and I know I'm in the right place when I get there, Chris, because I'll usually see you like, you know, wh- wh- whether we was, get get like, the Mavericks game last night where we were watching, you know, the Mavs beat down the Pelicans real good. So I <laughs> (laughs) I know I'm in the right place.
0: You know what? This this is what's also wild and informative. We're talking about networking. We're talking about getting ahead. We're talking about growing the economy because that's what this is all about. No one wants to be in an economy where people don't have employment opportunities or a chance to work or lift themselves up by their own bootstraps, so to speak. And I think, you know— here in Dallas, that's one of the reasons so many people are are moving here from all over the country, whether it's New York, Florida, California, Michigan. Can you talk about the the, the words you receive or some of the emails you get from these different corporate types or corporations uh, set in foot here in North Texas and, and the role you guys play in putting people together?
2: Man, um, a, a lot of what we are focused on here, especially when corporations move to town, is they want to know – Where everything is, not just for the head of the organization, but also for the executive staff and the teams they are going to hire. So they may ask us about, you know, the different educational systems here. They want to know what school they can put their students in or what opportunities exist. But the other thing that, you know, a lot of people don't always think about is they want to know culturally, where can I take my son to do, you know, maybe African drum? Where can I take my daughter to do African first ballet?
0: Where can she get her hair braided?
2: Where can she get a hair break? Where can I go get a a fly fade? Right. You know, (laughs) so there are a lot of other services that we also provide to all executives, because these are not just services that black leaders are looking for. Um, These are services that people who may have a a mixed family are looking Mm -hmm. for. And they have adopted a a kid and they are looking for services to keep them truly connected, which we worked with a number of executives who are doing that kind of work and they want to make sure they're doing something healthy, not only for them, but for the the family that they are also supporting. Um, And not to mention, um, people want to also get a sense of where they can go get something good to eat. Where are those places I have to stop by? Right. I've heard of this Rudy's chicken, but I don't know where to go. Mm-hmm. I don't have a guide. I'm, <laughs> I'm from Chicago. I, I eat Harold's. Right. So where might I go? Or, you know, I want some Garrett's popcorn, but maybe popcorn is not the thing here in Dallas. Where can you take me and showcase some things? Um, and, you know, not only that, Chris, people want to know they can go get some entertainment. Mm-hmm. So whether that's Bishop Arts Theater,
4: mm-hmm. uh, whether that
2: is uh, Black Academy of uh, uh, Arts and Literary, Curtis Black, King. Uh, Dallas Black Dance, mm-hmm. Dallas Theater Center. Um, Dallas Broadway, summer musicals, people want to know what are you connected to? And as a business owner and as an executive or as a corporation, what kind of resources and discounts might we get because we are members of the chamber? So and I've just named off a couple of those partners. Or if you want to go see uh, a heck of a Mavericks game, you want to see Luca put some magic up on the board, (laughs) uh, connect people to those. But, you know, even more, um, just talking about uh, data and information. Where should you move your business? What is the census data saying? Um, And what kind of demographics do you need in a specific area to decide if you're gonna move your business here? Because a lot of the deals that people focus on are when Amazon is coming to town. Economic catalysts that are also really important is if you got a firm that's got 50 to 100 employees and they're looking to grow and add another 25 positions. That's really important because when you start breaking down the demographics, yeah, you know, we got a lot of Fortune 100s here and a lot of Fortune 500s that are considering moving here. But most of the jobs that are provided in this city come from small businesses, and people really don't think about the workforce development needs of exactly small. Firm. So we, we do a lot of work with small companies. In fact, we're hosting a company out of New Jersey who wants to move here with his staff of 20, and he's looking to grow, and he wants to be shown around town. So we're going to give him a tour. We're going to talk about some resources uh, that exist uh, for him. We're going to take him to City Hall and introduce him to some folks. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to spend time really making sure he is connected. Um, we've got staff that does that, but also... Um, sometimes we like to put an executive touch on it. I like to show up, shake hands and tell them about some of the Dallas history the way I, I was raised and I might know it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that adds another kind of touch to it, puts the Dallas country twang on it so they know they're home. <laughs> um, so th- 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 those are kind of some of the ways that we really uh, serve our, our corporate partners. Um, and and that's just on one end. We had not even gotten to the advocacy piece yet, but, I'll, you know, I'll stand by.
0: You know what? We That's why we'll have to have you back on real soon so we can follow up. Harrison Blair, thank you for joining us again on Better Living.
2: It is my pleasure and honor, uh, Chris Arnold. It, anytime you call, we'll be there.
0: And joining us right now is Joshua Beltran. He is in the marketing department of Paws in the City, where guess what? If you've got a friend and, or you don't have a friend and you need one, one of our four-legged furry friends, Paws in the City is all about ending the overpopulation, abuse, neglect of dogs and cats in Dallas-Fort Worth, trying to make sure that every adoptable dog and cat finds a loving home. Joshua, how are you doing this morning.
5: Wonderful. Uh, trying to stay warm.
0: I hear you. In fact, let's just go back a few days. Now, this is the weekend, but earlier last week it was dicey for a lot of people. How did you make it through all the ice? Did you did you stay at home and did you stay safe and sound?
5: I did. I did. the The tricky part is obviously walking the pups. Uh, that that can be precarious, to say the least. <laughs> okay,
0: so let's go into that because we have a little time here, and a lot of people can can. Can identify with your situation. How many pups did you have to walk and how were you able to get that done? Because sometimes people forget you may have shoes on, but the dogs don't.
5: Yeah, exactly. Uh, I just have a one, um, but uh I'm uh in my free time when I have it, I'm a golfer. So a little little pro tip. Golf shoes work really great ah, on the ice.
0: The spikes. <laughs> <laughs> the spikes. <laughs> Very nice. So what's your what's your dog's name? Shelby. What kind of pup
5: she's uh she's a terrier mix uh she's got a little bit of Yorkie in here a little bit of schnauzer in her uh but she's kind of a, a little as would would be called a lap dog um mm-hmm. about eight and a half nine pounds uh she's around ten and a half years old right now and yeah she's uh she's my little pup
0: so tell us how you got involved with paws in the city and how does that incorporate with the time that you spend with Shelby. Does Shelby a part of the whole thing or are or, are or is she jealous? Yeah, yeah,
5: I do take her to events on occasion. There we uh, go, that's
0: what I was asking about. Yeah.
5: Yeah, yeah, she is a she is a good spokesperson for sure. Um yeah, I got involved with paws in the city in 2012. I'm um, originally from Houston. Okay. And uh I moved to uh to Dallas for work and I was just going to get uh, dog food as uh, every dog owner does. And Paws in the City was having an event at a Petco, and uh, a gentleman there named Mark Verma uh, was, you know, kind of being friendly as as he always was, and we got to talking. And ha- having being new to the city, I had been in Dallas maybe a week, um, and I said, "Yeah, probably not a bad idea to volunteer with an animal." organization and uh you know get to meet some some fun new people and do something that was close to my heart so uh that's really how for me how it how it got engaged how i got engaged and uh you know i've been involved ever since then i took a little bit of a hiatus I had to move to portland for for work uh and then re-engaged in 2020 uh, but yeah that's how i got started during a during an event
0: so tell everybody what Pause in the City is actually all about? Because, you know, there's lots of different agencies that do different things with animals and, and dogs and cats in particular. But Pause in the City is a little bit unique. Can you explain exactly what it's all about and how long it's been here?
5: Sure, sure. And, and as I think is with any kind of nonprofit or, or animal rescue specifically, you kind of change your focus and mission as you, you know, adopt new volunteers mm-hmm. and and kind of figure out where where your strong suits are. So in 2005 when we were founded, we were kind of more generic in what we were, you know, who we were helping and and what cons- constituted as a rescue for us. Primarily obviously focused in Dallas and dogs and animals, but then shortly thereafter Katrina hit and mm-hmm. then the the mission almost changed immediately uh within months. So we went to Katrina, uh, we went to New Orleans and and tried to help uh, and rest, you know rescue and rehome all the lost or abandoned dogs uh, as a result of the hurricane. More recently, our focus has been, as you stated earlier, there's a plethora of animal rescues uh, in the Dallas area. Our big focus right now is on dogs that that might be overlooked because they have you know medical conditions that might be deemed critical or behavioral issues. Um, you know we don't we don't really want to turn down a dog just because it's been reported, for example, as a bite incident. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times what we find is, you know, people will say a dog, you know, tried to bite me. Uh, dogs don't really try to bite. They know how to bite. They're pros at biting. So they don't really make a mistake there. So a lot of times it it can be a, a you know, maybe a, a description of an animal being aggressive that's not really aggressive. Maybe is just you know, a bit skittish, shy, or needs some behavioral training. So yeah, it
0: might be just reacting to something.
5: Exactly, exactly. So these are the dogs that we really have hyper focused on as of late, uh, as of the last few years. It's really been on the dogs that have medical issues and the dogs that have behavioral problems. So uh, this is this has kind of been our strong suit and where we where we find that we we can give back the most and really, you know, we have a, our whole volunteer system is kind of organized around this mission now.
0: So where is the facility, and how do you house the dogs and now cats?
5: So, so we don't have a a a brick and mortar. Okay, are uh, one of the unique things about Paws in the City is is we are all volunteer. So Mm -hmm. we really do our best to. So you just
0: unite people and pets (laughs) or animals. Say that again. (laughs) So you just unite the people or and animals. Who you know the animals who may be abused or or dogs or cats who need help?
5: Yeah, yeah, correct. okay. Yeah, kind of, we we connect the two, right? So, yeah.
0: Um,
5: we really try to keep our operational costs down, which is which is really the motivation here. We want when a donation comes in, we want that donation to really impact the dog's life and and not be a heavy overhead of you know operationally how an organization is run. Sure. So, we all have full-time jobs right you know some of us maybe are retired but um yeah the the organization tries to run as lean as possible so our brick and mortar is the fosters right so we 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 have a a healthy amount of fosters that you know some have fostered as many as 30 dogs uh, over the years uh and some maybe. It's a season in their life where they want to help and they foster for a few years. And that's completely acceptable. We will take all comers. So that's how we we operate and get the dogs into a temporary home and get them trained and get them to be, you know, a, mm-hmm. a more loving dog and, and out of their stressful situation, wherever that might have been, uh, and then put them into a permanent home.
0: Okay, so the volunteers help with the process and then people can find out online or however they know. If they're looking for a, you know a comfort animal or or someone that can or an animal that they can take care of, but they've already been through a, a, a training process with your volunteers.
5: Correct. Yeah, yeah. We rarely do we get an animal in and immediately home said animal. There's, right. There's always a, a training. Yeah, that that's part of the process, right?
0: Hmm. And and you say this has been going on since 2005.
5: Correct. Correct. Yeah. 2005.
0: And I I know, you know, it's like, okay, this seems to be working. Can you talk about some of the numbers and and some of the success stories?
5: Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's been thousands of dogs at this point. Um, uh, obviously have been impacted by the pandemic as, as anyone was, we actually saw, uh, an influx in the beginning. And then obviously there were the, the fallout of it as, as, you know, people, begin to get back to kind of their normal lives. Um,
4: mm-hmm.
5: But but yeah, I mean you can go to the website and 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 see our current dogs. We we try to rotate somewhere around 15 to 20 dogs at any given time. I know I know you've mentioned uh, cats a few times. In the original original uh mission statement, we were we were definitely uh adopting and rescuing cats. We've since then uh have have not done so much on the cats. We've mm-hmm. kind of been more heavily focused, like I said, on the behavioral and uh and more medical cases for, for the for the dogs. That's mm-hmm. that's kind of been our focus.
0: Can you talk about how during the pandemic, this is what I found out from not only myself and my family, but talking to a lot of different people and experts in different rescue situations. Animals helped a lot of people endure the pandemic, working from home or just you know, kids having to learn virtually. There was a pet in the household, usually a dog, that helped them get through it all. Can you talk about some of those situations, because because you kind of mentioned it and how, you know, when the things started getting back to normal, you know, you didn't have as, as much of an urgency. But can you talk about how these dogs were actually very, very valuable to a lot of people?
5: Yeah, yeah. Our, our fosters uh, really stepped up during this time. And, um, you know, I mean, it's anytime you're in a stressful situation, and the pandemic certainly was that, Uh, An animal is, you know, nothing but love right They're They're not looking at it the way we are. We humans are. So uh, so, yeah, I mean, it it, we really found it was an interesting time that, you know, our our numbers went up uh, right at the pandemic. People had more time and they were looking to, you know, kind of reevaluate what their priorities were. um, And that was that was certainly appreciated. we've since then our our numbers haven't been as, as strong as then, but that's, that's kind of normal as, as occurrences like that come up. But, but yeah, it was, it was, it was pleasing to see, uh, to to see what humans were willing to do during that time. And, and, and obviously, you know, having a comfort animal is great.
0: You know um, I know there's been unusual situations where you heard about a particular dog that you, you know, the, the, the family couldn't, take care of anymore. You mentioned, you know, if there was a bite situation, can you talk about some of those unusual situations where someone was giving a family or a a kid, a dog or a puppy over the holidays and the puppy became too much for the family to take care of. In other words, the family thought, Oh, this is, this is a nice pet. But then all of a sudden it was like, well, wait a minute, the kid, can't handle the pet or we can't handle the pet or we have to move. Can you talk about some of those situations? Because what I had heard was this was the time of the year. In other words, after the holidays, it's like, uh-oh, quote-unquote, we bit off too much more than we can chew. We can't really sustain a pet.
5: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I mean, these we we really don't shy away from those things. Um, yeah. These things happen. And, you know, I think if you – you know, kind of ignore those, those types of conversations, or, you know, maybe you're ashamed about it, Um, then the dog ends up into a system that just gets forgotten, right, ends up Mm -hmm. into a shelter and kind of has a bad rap that it shouldn't have shouldn't have gotten. So um, we have a guest dog program, we encourage, you know, having those types of conversations. And, you know, we obviously it's not an it's not an overnight thing, right? I mean, if someone's dealing with situation, it's not you just drop this dog off and and then now, you know, it's no longer your problem. We want to help find that dog a home and want to help, you know, get the animal into a, a positive environment. But it takes both. Right. It takes coming on both ends. And I think it's the right way to approach it. Right. Mm-hmm. Don't just, you know, I'm um, I'm dealing with a situation now. I'm just going to go drop this dog off at the shelter. Uh, that's that's really not the responsible way to a, a approach the situation.
0: Can you talk about the process of when you do after, you know, you guys work with a, with a pet, find the family or the individual in the, the meeting process, because I know they just, you just don't say, well, here, here's the, here's a cocker spaniel.
5: Yeah. Yeah. And, and sometimes people can get, and I, I love that, that question. Sometimes people can get turned off by the process. They'll think, you know, I go to a shopping center and I can go grab a dog out of a box and it took me an hour to do that. Well, there wasn't really a vetting process to find out if this dog was really in the right environment. Maybe that dog's a very active dog and 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 you're a retiree, and you don't want an active dog. You want someone to sit around and watch you know Netflix all day.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, so <laughs> you really
5: have to pair them correctly and, exactly and the time that we take to do that is is you know it it it's it's more significant than what you might be used to at you know looking at a dog in a shop or something of, of that occasion. Um, but it's intentional, right? We want to make sure we know what the dog's personality is because we were part of that behavioral process, right? We, mm-hmm. we we don't adopt, rescue a dog and then immediately put them into a home. We send them through training. We make sure we understand all the particularities, the medical things around the dog. And then we make sure we understand the personality and all dogs have different personalities. And then We state all that in the bio of the animal, right? And we make sure that when someone submits an application, they're fully aware of these things because some dogs really are, you know, more comfortable just, you know, sitting around all day and that's okay. Mm -hmm. So if you're an active person and you're, you know, I want this dog to go jogging with me. Well, maybe this dog doesn't want to go jogging. Maybe they Mm want to sit around and watch Jeopardy all day. That's okay. (laughs) Yeah. And vice versa, right?
0: Yeah. It's just matching them up. Exactly. Can you can you talk a little bit about how, you know, um, you've you've become a, like, uh, I guess, how do I put this? I don't want to call it a society or organization, but it's like with Paws in a City, everybody's kind of connected. It's like you get together and you do different functions. So it's almost like a, an extended family because it's not like you put together the pets with the people and then everybody disappears. It's like a lot of times you guys get together for functions. Can you talk about that, the relationships you guys have? And then we'll get into some of the events you've had in the past and what you got coming up.
5: Sure. Yeah. It really is a, a, a self-operating organization. It's, it's almost crowdsourcing to an extent. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and, and to that point, you know uh, the, the length of what a volunteer might want to give in terms of their time uh, is really, I mean, it can vary. We, we have volunteers that, honestly only help us through certain events that might only be annually. And that's completely, you know, we love it, right? Because they specialize in that. They're good at that. They may be, for example, uh, speaking of events coming up, we have a big event coming up and it's more of a, you know, I would say a fancier event. And if you're more of a socialite, it would lean more in that direction. I'm not. Uh, (laughs) So volunteers that only do that once a year are probably not the same volunteers that go to the you know monthly or weekly adoption events, you know at you know eleven a.m. In, in the morning on a Saturday, right? Mm-hmm, They're probably mm-hmm. more nighttime people and dress up, so that's okay. Like we 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 have all all comers, and you know the 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 organization or the community, you know it's 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 wide in its types of people and and the reasons why they volunteer, and it can be super narrow in the commitment, and and that's you know I think that helps keep the organization going. You know, you don't really have to bite off to use uh, one. Should, we shouldn't use this analogy. Bite off more, <laughs> more than, than you can, can chew, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, that's probably not the right one to use in Animal Rescue. Um, you can do whatever is comfortable with you. And I promise you, we have we have some way that we can use that talent or, or, or your time.
0: Well, you mentioned the different kinds of animals and matching them up with the different kind of personalities of the people. And you have a wide variety of events that help raise money for PawsInTheCity.org, dot org a great nonprofit that quote unquote rescues adoptable pets, especially dogs and can you talk about some of the events in the past and then what you got coming up later this month?
5: Sure, yeah, so we're rebooting uh we I think everyone's saying this now with the uh, kind of post pandemic what it
0: is is reboot and pivot the other word is go. pivot. Yeah.
5: <laughs> Uh, our our annual martinis for mutts this is uh this is held at the candle room it's uh it's a nighttime event uh this year it's on a Friday um and uh you know the attire obviously you know if you don't want to wear a tux that's acceptable it's not actually a tux attire it's more uh business uh or business cocktail. social yeah business cocktail. Yeah, I I usually wear a suit. It's uh, uh you know if I can still fit into them um, or the ones I own. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's 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 more of a a black tie uh, event. There's a raffle. Uh, there's obviously you know music DJ. It it is a club. The candle room is a club. Mm-hmm. Uh, Been there the several times the in the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole point of the event is is to is to raise money and raise awareness and do something that's a little bit kind of outside of the norm. Of an adoption event, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the adoption events, you know, are, are are much more, you know, you know, dealing with a dog and you know, you know, seeing an animal in person. Uh, this is much more of a social event, you know, get, you know, gathering some of our sponsors together, uh, some of our longtime donors, um, and, and then, you know, just honestly, for our volunteers as well, as well, giving them some an opportunity to kind of, you know, have a good night out. Sure. Right? Like a, it's
0: kind of a reward, a reward for helping.
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of our uh, our recent partners that that helped us with merchandise, you know, I I purchased a table and I said, I want to invite you guys out to come. You, you know, you've done all this work for us. You sit down, have a drink and enjoy some of the, you know, the fruits of your labors that you volunteered uh, throughout the year. So, It's, it's one of those types of events. Um, And, 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 you know, I I enjoy it. Uh, I'm not running it. We have a wonderful volunteer Sandra, that's, that's uh, running it and we'll have an MC and you know, it's, it's, it's a fun event. Um, uh, But yeah, it's February 24th. If you go to the website, it should be on the top banner. It is. uh, I've just, I was just looking
0: at it. Very, very nice.
5: Yeah. So there's a general admission there. Uh, if you want to, you know, come and and mingle, and you know, maybe not necessarily have a table for you know a few hours, uh, forty five dollars, and then there's tables for sale as well. Maybe you have a group of folks that you want to come and mm-hmm. and 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 you know in, enjoy the festivities for a few hours. We have tables for sale as well, um, but yeah, it's a it's a fun event, and we're still gathering kind of all of our raffle items. So as as we get closer to the date. We'll have more postings on our social media about, you know, the things that will be we, we'll be up for raffle and and more info on, on the event as it as it kind of manifests.
0: And as you mentioned, that's one of the major events and is back following post pandemic the pivot and the uh, the whole nine yards. But you've also kind of teased the fact that in the past you guys have stumped something for everybody. In other words, like you said, there's some weekend, daytime, midday, morning. Can you can you talk about some of the diverse? events that you guys do for all the all the people are sure. part of positive sure.
5: yeah yeah so um you know kind of our our staple is an adoption event at a given location uh a lot of times we've we've done it at at restaurants uh fishity grill is a restaurant that we've we've partnered with uh we've often done them at you know uh you know an animal store an animal you know uh supply store like sure. a petco mm-hmm. PetSmart, smart et etc Um, places that we, you know, are, you know, a a little more likely to be, you know, at a pet store, you're going to obviously find animal folks, uh, and then just kind of a more low key at restaurants where we might partner with them. And there may be, for example, uh, 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 either a happy hour going on or a Mm -hmm. discount on whatever's happening at that specific you know venue, uh, we did a, an event last year towards the tail end of the year at, at Deep Ellen Brewery. We like to do our events at breweries. When people drink, they like to donate. So yes, those they are, do. Those are good things to combine. They have together. a sip of courage. <laughs> yes.
4: Yes. Uh,
5: so we do events there where you can you know for example in that particular occasion you bought a glass. And it gave you, you know, a certain amount of tokens, and yeah, you would end up getting beer at a bit of a discount. And we partnered with the the, the venue, uh, and they, you know, uh, donated you know a portion of those funds back to us. So uh, it's a it's a win win. Come drink beer, and you donate. I don't I don't know how you can turn that down.
0: Exactly. And, and again, Pause in the City has been doing this since two thousand and five. And I I always put it like this. There's something about being empathetic and you feel good about the little things that you do, no matter what it is. And in the world of people who love pets, you guys are like five star. And, and, and I have to say this again. If you go to the website, you can see all of the fine work that you guys do. Can you can you want to shout out some of the staff and, and give them their props? Because, you know, you've been a part of this for a long time. There's other people who've been a part of it a long time. but There's other people who just joined it into just all full force
5: sure sure uh some of our staff is 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 shy and i've i've i can tell you many times i've tried to put them on social media and they they don't like doing that they they do they like work to work
0: anonymously stuff. they just like yeah, the, they want yeah. the love from the pets
5: yeah i would be i'd be remiss to not mention uh our our president our former president yes. Mark Burma. uh so one of the things that happened last year is uh, unfortunately he passed away oh, and sorry. this was a mm-hmm. very close friend of mine this is the person that i met at Petco when I, you know, started volunteering, uh, back in 2012. Um, so yeah, he passed away and, and he, he has, he he was just a, he was a staple in Dallas. Some people call him the mayor of Deep Ellum was, was kind of quote unquote, one of his titles. So he was so interconnected with everyone and, and, and really just drove so much, you know, awareness to the organization. Uh, so we're, we're still definitely putting pieces together, uh, from his loss, but, uh, yeah, he's, uh, you know, one of the, we'll obviously have a tribute to him at Martinez for Mutt's. Um, So, yeah, so we we have uh, a place there, right? We're still kind of putting things together for, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what we do in that spot. Um, I'll mention one of our volunteers, and she's, pro- I'm just going to say her first name. She's going to, I'm not going to say her full name. Those that the know, Michael- they will
0: know her. Go ahead.
5: I call her the Michael Jordan of Animal Rescue. Ah. Her name is Jennifer she's been doing it for gosh i i would assume now at least since at least since 2008 may, wow. maybe sooner earlier than that and her numbers are just i mean she's if she's not the michael jordan she's the bill russell right Right. she's, she's got the most the, her numbers are insane and it just she keeps going so our efforts you know we kind of really i look at it like our job is to support her right she goes out and rescues the dog. she finds the dog. she is constantly in the animal shelters looking for opportunities and opens up her home constantly to to, to you know get these dogs in and out of the system and mm-hmm. you know our job administratively you know administratively is just to let's keep her going you know you keep doing what you're doing it's you know you're you're the numbers person you're 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 keeping our our volume up um but there's uh, you know another board member Stacy her and i you know you know deal with things on a daily basis barbara i mean sandra as i mentioned earlier who's mm. running the martinis for much so uh, i am very thrilled that 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 she's again stepped up uh, to to host this so there's countless volunteers
0: well there's lots of reasons for shelby to be jealous and we're talking about shelby your dog <laughs> can you tell us again how you got shelby because we didn't i said tell us again we talked about your relationship with shelby but you never really explained how You and Shelby became friends.
5: Yeah, she was one of those situations where uh, where the uh, it wasn't a pause uh, uh, adoption, but it was one of the ones you kind of described earlier where somebody got a Christmas gift and and maybe bit off more than they could chew. Uh, So I I took in the dog and, you know, and could not let go of the dog. So uh, that's that's how these things go. Right. (laughs) We call them. Actually, we have a. It has a negative tone to it, but it really is uh, a compliment.
0: It really uh, is. Yeah. Uh,
5: we, we call them, we call them uh, uh, rescue failures. So. Oh,
0: uh, okay. I see what you're saying. and okay. You're there to save the the rescue.
4: Yeah. yeah. Because the, the rescue failures. itself
0: failed, but the, the quote unquote step, the normal process somewhat failed, but guess what? There's a safety net and you are part of that safety net.
5: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I have this idea to do a social media thing of, all of our uh, foster failures, not rescue failure, sorry, all of our foster failures where I'm a foster failure. And, you know, because <laughs> it really is a much more common occasion than you would think, um, but it's all good, right? I mean, yeah, that's, that's it has
0: a happy a, ending.
5: That's a happy ending.
0: <laughs> this is, this is phenomenal. Again, we're so glad to have you on the show seriously, because people need to know about all the different organizations that affect, you know, people's lives in North Texas and pause in the org is one of those exceptional ones thanks again so much for joining us man
5: Wonderful. Joshua Beltran. Yeah. yeah if you can uh, make it out to Martinez for months we'd love to have you tickets are on sale now and uh if you're looking to foster or if you're just looking to in general volunteer uh you can go to the website or you can email info at pause city.org. you can email me Joshua at we'll we'll uh we'll take your time and or donations.
0: And we cannot thank our guests enough for joining us. First, Harrison Blair, the president of the Dallas Black Chamber of Commerce, chamber actively promoting the expansion of business opportunities on behalf of his membership. And, of course, this is Black History Month, so it's perfect timing. And then, pause for the city, Joshua Bertrand in the marketing department, they are committed to ending the overpopulation abuse and negligence of dogs in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, making sure that every dog that is adoptable finds a loving home. And again, we can't thank you enough for joining us. Tune in next week as we focus on other organizations doing great things in our community
1: right here on Better Living. So long, everybody.